like I can't us. wait to get you on the floor, good looking. Oh, that's not. No. That's not what we're doing. To, no. Oh, I was ready. I know. I was ready for the JT. <clears throat> the JT uh, cover. Dude, it's been a while since we watched, like, what I would consider a game-changing horror movie. Yeah. I feel like. I feel like the last like game changer we watched like it was already a game changer. Right. You know what I, like yeah. it it had come out like 10 15 years ago. It it was already that. Like it wasn't a it wasn't a new movie where we thought this is like this is where horror can go. Yeah. Or where we thought this is this feels different, completely different. And this movie <clears throat> Barbarian yeah. Is yeah. completely different. I have. Oh man. I I think I texted you right when I was done watching, and I said, "Gus, I've never seen a movie like this before." You did. You. I think you. Your first text was, "Hey, have you watched Barbarian yet?" And I said, "No, but I I've been wanting to." And I was gassing it up. And you were like, "You have to go. Like, go watch it now. Run, do not walk." When I lived in whatever you're doing. When I lived in Stop Kansas it. City, there's a radio show. A talk show, the afternoon talk show that I always listened to when I was working. Um, I drove a truck for a real estate company and put signs up. I was a sign bitch. It was a great job. I literally just drove a truck around. Just and listen put, to podcasts. Put signs in the yards. I'd listen to podcasts and listen to this afternoon radio show. And one of the one of the anchors would always talk about her like her thing was run, do not walk when she saw a new show or movie. Granted, she said it all the time. To the point where I was like, okay, if everything's a run, do not walk, then nothing's a run, do not walk. If everybody's super, then nobody is. Exactly. This is legitimate. This is a a run, do not walk, go see it. It's on HBO Max right now. Why are you wasting your time? Go go watch it. And also, spoiler warning, because obviously that's what we do here. Do not listen to this and then go watch it. Stop the podcast right right now. Stop it right now. Go watch it, and then come back and listen to us talk about it. Because I think both of us knew nothing. Pretty much nothing. I hadn't even seen a trailer. I had watched. Um, I had watched the trailer, and mm-hmm. I had listened to a spoiler-free review. Okay. Um, and here's the thing: it, to appreciate this movie, you don't really need like I can fully communicate what I love about this movie without going into spoilers. But I don't want. Anybody going into this movie for the first time to have any clue what they're walking into? No, because that's how we experience it. And obviously, that's how you should experience every movie. But the fact that th- this kind of movie, almost it almost demands that. And I think a lot of it has to do with how subversive it is. Like every Every single moment you think something is going to happen a certain way... The movie completely subverts your expectations and gives you something different, something that you honestly could not see coming. And in a strange way, that is thanks to years and years of horror movie cliches being run into the ground. Yeah. And this movie creates tension using some of those Mm -hmm. classic Hollywood horror tropes. Yeah. And it just flips them on their head. It literally, like... It takes the all of the major tropes and cliches you could think of that comes with a horror movie and just spins it right. in a complete in a in a new way, a way that feels so original and exciting 
almost. And I, you were, I, we were talking uh, yesterday about this. You said how many times, um, how many times when you were watching Barbarian did you just go, what the fuck? I didn't, I didn't, auto, I was just me. So I, I, obviously I did that a couple of times, but my reaction was more just my mouth wide open, just watching the movie like, yep. okay, here, you know, we're going along. These characters are good. And then my jaw just dropped, dropped to the floor about every 15 minutes, every 15 to 20 minutes, just something so insane happens that my only reaction was to just inaudibly in my head go, what the fuck is happening? And then visibly just be unable to to cl- hinge my jaw shut anymore. Well, and I, I kind of want to jump into some, some of the character studies um, using that same point of subversion. Um, it, it, to me, it started with Bill Skarsgård. They set his character up the entire time to be untrustworthy. Right. And the way that he speaks, the way that he moves throughout the house, Uh the way that he towers over the main character played Mm -hmm. by Georgina Campbell. Yep. Um, you from the beginning don't trust him. You think right. something is up, and any any shot that he is in is building tension. And part of it too is because, hey, that's Bill Skarsgård. Is that that's, is that Pennywise? That's Pennywise, right? So he's perfect in casting a, he's choice. He's in a horror movie. Mm-hmm. He is a character that we are kind of. He he's a stranger to us. He's and a stranger. The lead he's character. a stranger in a house that this woman is supposed to be staying in, who's right. not supposed to be there. And, he's not supposed to be there. And the movie is asking us to trust him, and we can't. And yeah. that that plays such a big role, especially in the first quarter of the movie. Right. In building up that tension within the household as... Mm-hmm. as um, What is Georgina Campbell's character's name? Actual name? Tess. Tess. It, it builds up so much... Um, so much almost controlled chaos because... Yeah. She's kind of just exploring this house. We keep expecting something to happen. Mm-hmm. It it makes a, a toothbrush, an electric toothbrush charging on the floor seem sinister. Seem, like, yeah. Right? Like, it, it just builds and builds and builds this mm-hmm. tension between those two characters and between right. us and, and Keith, Bill mm-hmm. Skarsgård's character. Um, and in the end, we kind of learned that we probably could trust him. He's, yeah. he's maybe a bit more... Turns out to be a very... Very trustworthy, very just trustworthy. A pretty normal guy. If, if who just sounds, if anything, he's maybe adventurous to just, a fault. Just sounds a little weird, right? Like you know, he, sometimes his phrasing is a little off. But he's awkward. He's just an awkward kind of awkward guy, but never ill intent. Never with ill intent. No, no. It, throughout the movie, and never has also, an ill intent in his mind. He he is kind mm. of he's kind of an adventurous soul, right? Like yeah. he, so he's part of a band. And he's staying in in a similar way to Tess. He's he is he is you know doing things through a creative lens, right? So obviously has a little bit of that, a little bit more of that curiosity to him, right? Like that, like you said, that adventurous kind of mentality well, throughout and he all of his decision making. He doesn't hesitate to let her in because I think he sees it as a new opportunity to talk to somebody, yeah, have to a connect new with conversation, someone new. right? But in the end, it's his downfall because he also doesn't hesitate to go into the basement. Right. One thing I will say too about about Tess and about the the 
the cinematography and the direction in this first half of the first act is Tess Tess is made to be pretty freaking smart. There are there are so many so many cutscenes and so many close-ups of whenever she's in this in this you know uncertain situa- situation she is locking the door behind her always has her phone on her you know taking pictures of his ID to make sure he's not some you know some guy that's pretending to be someone else like she is taking all of the proper steps to make sure that you know she's in this place with this random guy that she doesn't know but she is making sure that if anything were to happen she would be prepared for it and that's credit to the filmmakers there because they do a lot they show a lot of her smarts without just telling you they just show you things they show you these small little moments throughout the first part of that first act to say here's here's how she's She's obviously not a lot of people would say yes and get into this situation, but she's in a dire circumstance and she's also making the right decisions. Right. She's, which, she's doing things to make sure she stays safe. Which sets her up and us up to be disappointed because it's almost it's almost as if and this adds to the horror, it's like no matter how careful you are, yep. your the actions you take to be prepared are futile. Yes. In in this case, mm-hmm. There was nothing you could do about it. No. Quite literally, quite literally nothing you could do about. Oh man, I want to. I want to talk about the base. Well, how spoilery are we gonna get? I feel like we can avoid it. Okay, we can avoid it. No, we, we can, can. We can. We can. We can. Um. It, now, <clears throat> we we can't. We can't not talk about just general right story structure. Yes. Um. But keep in mind, in this in this house, right? And this yeah. is something that you can see in in trailers. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a mysterious basement yeah. with basically what seems to be catacombs, like right. built underneath it. Mm-hmm. These these tunnels, these tunnels, and you 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 actually get really a really solid background into how they got there. Again, they don't really tell you how they got there; they just show you things. Right. The, the the director and the cinematographer just show like, there is so much showing going on and this is probably one reason why we both really loved this movie we've talked about this a hundred times before on almost probably every show we've ever done they show you so much and they just let you fill in those pieces they just let you put those pieces together there's right. so little expository dialogue and any of the dialogue that breed that like goes into expository territory is outside of like the homeless guy saying you know this has been going on for a while but even then that's like an unreliable that's unreliable exposition you don't really know if what he's telling you is 100% what's actually happening he's giving you a not an unreliable he's not an unreliable narrator he's just a guy that's like I think this is what's going on it's pretty fucked up but like that's the closest this movie gets to telling you what's going on and that to me is one of the one of the best things about it is how little it does to just sit there and like okay let me just talk you through what's going on it shows you what's going on throughout the entire hour and 45 minutes of of actual movie that you get 
Well, and I think what is, I think it's pretty brilliant how they introduced us to each character. Mm -hmm. Um, Because in the end, really, it ends up being only Tess that we feel like we can trust. Mm -hmm. And that allows us to just find out for ourselves. Like they don't, they don't go out of their way to be like, Oh, this person's a good person. This person's a bad person. You can trust this person. You can't trust that person. Right. We have to find out for ourselves. We get general introductions, but the only reliable character in Mm -hmm. our eyes is Tess and the rest, we have to just kind of buckle up and like, okay, let's figure it out points. You have to just trust all of them individually. And that sucks. Like it does. it, It is not fun to be in a situation where you are basically whether there's a person that you know is bad or not in the case of Justin Lon's character, I won't get too into it, but like we kind of know he's an asshole. Yeah. You Um, figured out pretty quick. You figured out pretty quick based on one phone call. However, you have to, to trust him and just go along with him as he basically descends into madness. Yeah. And hope he at least makes one good decision. Right. And because him, we essentially, as you're watching this, you don't get out unless he gets out. Right. And there are so, again, there are so many, there are so many moments in this movie and you get this with, with Justin Long's character. He has this, he has this monologue about like how he's never made a good decision in his life. He realizes he's probably not a great person, but maybe if he can just get this one thing right and help out Tess, and, and get them out of this situation. Like he can start like becoming a better guy. And in that moment you think, Oh, the movie's just like, we're taking an a quote unquote anti-hero and trying to make him a better person. Right. And then the movie goes, no, actually, no, we're not going to do that. And it just, it just slaps that just slaps that shit right out of your hand, slaps that thought right out of your head and says, get out of here. This guy's, this guy's actually still bad and he's going to stay bad. Right, but you didn't see that coming because horror tropes say he's going to become a better person, and then he doesn't, and it's awesome. It's so, yeah. it's so like in the moment. Again, it's one of those moments where you're like, "Oh my fuck!" Like, holy shit, he it's it's not going to work out. <laughs> like, he's not actually he's not a good guy anymore, is he? Right. And again, it's just that's one of the one of the last couple of moments in the movie where you just kind of get your your feet swept out from underneath you. And you never see it coming because this movie builds up this idea only to just kind of push it back down. Right. And you get that with every single character. Every every main player in this movie has that moment, especially Tess and especially uh, Justin Long's character and, and uh, Bill Skarsgård, who plays Keith. Those mm-hmm. three, they're pretty much the three main players with, right. with, um, with arcs in this movie. If if you at any point in this movie can recognize um, Matthew Patrick Davis, I'll give you like a hundred bucks. <laughs> like you, like he's in this movie. You will absolutely. Oh yeah. You will absolutely not know. You'll have no idea. Also until, um, until the credits, even so Richard Brake is a character. We don't meet until like the end of the second act. Yeah. I think um, uh, he, Again, he's another character that has a very impactful role in what's going on in the the overarching Don't get too spoily. The overarching narrative. I'll I won't. slap you in the face if you I get won't. spoily on this one. There is a moment with his character even. His character is like the least explored character of of the main main characters. Right. 
even he, but you learn enough about him, you get enough of his backstory to know what he's about. Yes. You, even with his character, there is a moment where you think, oh, in, it, it, it's a moment between him and Justin Long. When he, uh, when Justin Long, he's like, try, he's asking Justin Long to hand him something. And he pulls it out. And you think, all right, the, Justin Long, what an idiot. Just made the worst decision of his life. And then the movie goes, actually, no, no, you thought. Sweeps the feet out from you'll, underneath you'll you again. You'll never know what's happening. You, seriously, there, I, I cannot, like, I can't begin to explain how just, how just unknowing I was. And I, I can't even, I can't remember the last time I watched a movie thinking, like, I, I really don't know what to expect. At, at least horror. Right. When it, when it comes to horror, even the really good one, even really good horror movies that have come out recently, you can kind of piece together where they might go and be pretty close to right throughout the wrong entire process. On this one, this one, you yeah. I good do, luck. I, I want to touch on on kind of one more thing. Yeah. Um, another another horror trope turned on its head, but in this case, I think it was kind of used pretty brilliant brilliantly. Is uh-huh. Um, just the trope of like nighttime and daytime, like yeah. this, this, this movie makes you feel trapped by the nighttime. Yes. Right. <clears throat> like the, the experiences that you have once the lights go out are completely yeah. different than what you see during the day. Yes. And, and it's from, it's from essentially the first shot. We don't mm-hmm. realize that this house that she's pulling up to is in this old rundown, dilapidated, yeah. like, right overrun really bad neighborhood really horrible neighborhood in Detroit you don't know that until the sun comes out yep and then that's kind of the first hint into hey when the sun goes down things aren't the same here right and and Tess is essentially trapped by that even when she tries to get out Uh uh-huh yeah she's trapped by the nighttime and right and it's not like it's it's not like oh yeah a, duh, it's a horror movie to be afraid of the dark. It's right. not like that. Like no. it's almost as if the, the nighttime and the daytime are used as structural thing. They're almost they're almost characters. Like they, yeah. the the night the night versus day matters almost as much as the house that they're in. It does. And you get you get a good moment where someone says, you know, don't be here at nighttime. Right. Be gone if you're here at night you sign your death warrant like there is and that's that happens later on in the movie you're already like cued into the fact that like once the sun goes down nothing great is going to happen because we've right. we've been we've been through like an hour and 15 minutes at that point of like holy shit like when is dark but even that warning is more dire than anything that yeah we could expect you like you get that warning from this character and you're like holy it's like that it's like that it, it turns that gear in your head where you realize, oh, I, I get what he's saying. Like I've understood what he's saying, right. but someone finally said it, and I'm like, oh yeah, that's well, right. Well, and then like, after that warning, <clears throat> you have to, as an audience, sit there and watch the sun go down. Yeah, it's terrifying. It is. It is horrifying, and um, it's like I've tr- the another like another good use of light versus dark in this movie is how. I mean, obviously, the movie is very claustrophobic. It's a very, right. it's a very tight and uncomfortable experience when you're in the house. But 
they do such a good job of giving you these high contrast this high contrast imagery between light and dark mm-hmm. when you're in the house because almost everything is lit up by flashlight for a good portion of this movie and what is in frame in the light versus what is out of frame and out of the light yes. there's such a a good that's where a lot of the the a lot of the tension comes from that in those scenes and it, a lot of it comes down to like people saying there's something else here but what you're looking at is is just a wall like like a wall or or some dirt in a in a well, in a catacomb it's used as kind of a practical transition within the scene yeah it reminded me a lot of the descent yeah like how well the descent uses light to kind of guide your eyes but also misdirect you in a way that builds up that tension and then once something does pop into frame that you don't want to see that you hope actually isn't there it's just the most brutally terrifying moments in this movie that you could possibly conjure up they do a really good job of that especially in the in the first act when it's just uh tess and keith yeah there are a lot of those great moments and then we transition this movie is a very speaking of transitions this movie is like very has very well sectioned chapters it's like three very yeah. distinct chapters with with all very different tones as well yes but they're balanced really well yes like you don't feel uh it doesn't feel out of place how tonally different parts of this movie are like when there is a tonal shift it sticks to it it's not like you get a brief tonal shift and then you're back into the horror and then you're you're bouncing between the two. Right. There it's very much you get one tonal style in the first act. The second act transitions. You get a much different tone when Justin Long shows up. And then the third act happens and it's like this perfect hybrid of the two at the end. Right. And credit I, I mean that's credit to the director and writer of this movie whose name I I don't have at the top of my head, but he's actually a he he got his start in comedy. He was a he was a comedic actor and and producer, who was part of like a a comedy troupe or something like that. Like his right. his in, the entire first part of his career was comedy. Well, and and then he goes and writes and directs this. To that to that point, the the changes in tone are they never really give any sort of relief. It, it's it's not used as. It's not used as a way to break the tension. At, at times it does, but very quickly and naturally, it, it just creates a different type of tension, right? right? Like, yeah, because it does give us a look into some of the personal lives of these characters. Yeah, um, we get to see the tension that's building in their own lives and and how it all kind of comes to a head in this house. Right. Um, I'm happy. I'm kind of happy to keep this short. Yeah. Uh, because I feel like. The longer we talk, the more we might start ruining the movie. Start breaching in the spoilers. I think we've kept it clean. I do. Yeah, we've kept it pretty clean. Yeah. Um, we did a good job. I will say, um, I like how Chris Stuckman put it um, in his review about this movie. He, uh-huh. he said something along the lines of, um, and because the the name barbarian was just a working title yes, based off that. of yeah. the street that they were filming on the mm-hmm. street was barbary street right so they called it barbarian as a working title as they were writing and, and filming and filming and it kind of just stuck and uh the director zach Kreger, 
yeah, whose name we just had to look up because we're horrible with names. Yeah, he just decided as they were filming, he thought this actually works. Like this title really works for this movie. Well, and and what Chris Stuckman said is something along the lines of if if you get to the end of this movie, you might still be wondering who the barbarian was. Right. But that just means you weren't paying close enough attention. Yeah. And I love that because <clears throat> Any number of characters could be could be barbarian. Could be the barbarian. Right. I think there is just one. I think there is two. But I think also... But I think there's an argument for like three of them. Yeah, I think so too. We won't say who because that'll... I think that... That, that, that would spoil it for that, sure. That Let's breaches not. spoiler territory. But you guys decide. You guys decide. Watch it and decide. And trust me, you won't be disappointed. I, I did... I had a friend who watched it. Um, I'll, I'll, I had a friend once. Yeah, I did too. Um, you're my friend, right? I think. Okay. Ignoring that. Um, <laughs> we, <laughs> we were talking about the, we were talking, he watched around this, like this a day before I did. So we were talking about it. Um, and his, his only complaint was that he thought Tess made poor decisions that why wouldn't she just like call the leave, cops like, or leave. Yeah. And while I agree, obviously you have to, with horror, sometimes you have to make an exception. Sometimes characters make really dumb decisions in a lot of bad horror movies. They make really dumb decisions and there's no reason behind it. They just walk into a dark room and they don't have it. Like they just do it for, for, for seemingly no reason. The difference in, with Barbarian for me, and this is what I, how I explained it to him at least, is the decisions Tess makes, you never feel like they are without merit. There is always a reason she does something that she does. And a lot of times, like, like when she decides to follow Keith into the basement, that is purely out of the fact that, I think it's out of the fact that she feels guilty for even putting him down there in the first place. And she then takes on that responsibility of, I have to go make sure he's okay. And that, to her, supersedes any other idea of, oh, let me just call the cops, or let me do this or that. She thinks, this is my fault. I now have to go down and figure this out myself, because I, it's, I am the reason why this happened. And to me, because there is, there is a logical explanation for the reason people make certain decisions that in other horror movies might come off as just another stupid horror character doing right. stupid things. The fact that when I watched it and thought, I kind of get, I get why she did that. That to me is more than enough to, to explain away any, any decision-making you would think, well, that was dumb. Well, and you get to, you get to kind of learn alongside with her because you, you watch what she does and you're like, okay, I'd probably do the same thing. Yeah. It turned out to be the wrong decision. Correct. And yeah. that's, Sometimes that's just what happens. If I was in a same similar situation and I was like, "Oh man, I, I just put him down there." Yeah, I'm gonna go figure. Like, I wouldn't be like my first thought wouldn't be, "Let me get out of the house, call the cops, and drive away." And my let first him thought, die. my first thought would be, "Fuck, I gotta go." Like, I did this. I I made my bed. Now I gotta go. Like, I gotta go figure it out. Right. Right. So, anyway, that's my. If you watch this thinking, oh, they're making a lot of dumb decisions, think about why they're making that. Like, just because the movie, the movie explains itself very well, I think. Yes. 
and it, it gives reason to every decision that's made that you would in a, in another circumstance in another lesser horror movie would think oh this is just a stupid ass character making another stupid ass decision but it ain't like it that ain't, it ain't like that in this movie you want to grade it Dom you already know what I'm going to give it give it I'm going to give it an A plus bro come yeah. on yeah it's an A plus it is it's this, an A plus I I would understand if somebody didn't like it but if you don't like it you don't like this style of horror or yes. or you just don't yeah. I, I don't want to spoil it. Um, yes, if you if you don't like it, that is purely just a. It has to be pur- purely taste. It, it is only taste. It is nothing technical because, because objectively, like from a technical standpoint, this, this movie is a great is, horror movie. Is masterfully made. Yes, with really good character work, so many good unexpected moments. It is so subversive and. I'm glad we finally got to it. Yeah, I mean, like, it is, it's, seriously, it's unlike anything you'll ever watch. I'm almost upset it took us this long to get to yeah, it. Yeah, like, me too. For a little bit there, I was like, I, when I was watching it, I was like, why the fuck did I, like, this came and out why, in September. Why did it take me so long to even learn about it? Yeah, I, also I, true. I saw the trailer for the first time, like, the week before, and it's only because it was coming out to HBO Max. Mm, mm-hmm. Why are more people not talking about this? I know. It's crazy. It's it is. I think. Well, part of it is. I think um, it's one of those movies. It's a 20th Century Fox movie, and I think with and this is true with a lot of those 20th Century Studios. 20th does. Century Studios, right? But what I'm saying, like, I'm sure it was probably commissioned when it was still under the Fox brand. Oh yeah. And then Disney bought out Fox 2000, and then that just kind of. Because of that, they didn't market it quite as well as they probably could have Disney because it was by the time it was like by the time it was being marketed before its release, it was a Disney project at that point. And I think with all of the 20th century films, Disney just kind of gave up on them and was like, we'll release some of these, but also like we're not going to put money into marketing. Well, and also and I think this movie kind of fell into that kind of fell under that umbrella because this movie, if marketed correctly, could have been like the horror film of the year, of the last couple of years. Yeah, but I, I almost, I almost disagree because, as as weird as it sounds, good horror is hard to sell. It is, it is really easy to make money off of bad horror, and I could see why <clears throat> studios slash audiences wouldn't be as drawn to a movie like this especially with how the trailers are uh-huh. they don't really give anything away right i think that it might be hard to get butts in seats for a movie like this in theaters yeah it's just hard to i, I think it, it would be kind of hard to market it's not a big money big box office hit type of movie yeah and and maybe that's another reason why it, it didn't get the attention that it deserved leading up to it because they didn't see it as that type of project. Right. Um, anyway, I think everybody, any horror fan mm-hmm. should go watch this movie. Yes. Um, and then I want to know what you thought. I want to know who you thought the barbarian was. Yeah. I want to know how many times you said, what the actual fuck? What in the fuck? How many times was your jaw on the floor? Because exactly. for me, it was more than five. More than five for extended periods of time. For just like for like moments in time where I was like, oh my jaw, like my mouth is still <laughs> still open. Right. Yes. Like I need to I need to shut this thing, and then I 
put my hand on my chin, and then it would just drop back open because I was still shocked. Just like that. Just like that. If this were on video, you'd understand, but you can't, so deal with it. Um, Dom, where can people tell us who they thought the Barbarian was? So here's the thing. It's actually really simple. It's really simple. It is. Um, Front Row Podcast. Do you have a phone? Congratulations. You can communicate with us. Um, Front Row Podcast on Instagram. Yep. On Facebook. Mm-hmm. Uh, not on Twitter, cause nope. who uses Twitter? Because we refuse to uh get on that platform. However, you can email us. You can believe it or not. We have an email. We don't have a Twitter, but we have an email. Frontrowmedia one at gmail dot com. Frontrowmedia one at gmail dot com. And then also just find us anywhere you listen to podcasts. Yes, you can find us, of course, Front Row Podcasts or. Yep. You can just search FRP episode, choose a number between 1 and 75. Yeah. And you'll land on something you're going to love. You will find something. And then you might as well just explore the rest of our show. We have 75 front row podcast episodes. We also have... We're pushing 100. We, we're pushing 100. We have two watch-alongs. Yep. Predator. In the uh, 2017 Justice League. We have, I believe, five behind the front rows. Yep. Believe it or not, we don't just talk movies. Yeah, we um, talk about all kinds of stuff. So sometimes we just decide to record sometimes our Sometimes we hit record thoughts. and we decide, oh, hey, that's an episode. Um, we also have our, our Front Row Frights series. Yeah. Where we talk about our our most influential horror experiences. Um, that's still one of my favorite strings of episodes we've ever done we've done holiday series on our favorite christmas movies we have a great thanksgiving episode thanksgiving's coming up so you know that's a it's a good time to you know find some movies to watch with family when you're when you're home for the for the long weekend we have all kinds of stuff like dom said if you search frp episode one through 75 you will find close to 100 episodes of content that you will not find Anywhere else or from anyone else. And I don't think I mentioned a platform, and that's because we're just on every platform. Literally. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, SoundCloud. Shout out our SoundCloud listeners. You, you guys, guys you guys really just keep us moving. You guys keep the train running, and we appreciate you. We also appreciate SoundCloud, the platform, for keeping all of our episodes. Not a sponsor. We have um, a lot of gigabytes of audio Many saved gigabytes. to that website. And because we're on SoundCloud, we don't have to worry about any of it disappearing hey, which is nice i don't even save these yeah i we record them and i immediately delete it so we, if we, we lose do one, i mean technically we save them to soundcloud yeah, because I, that's like our you know that's like our <laughs> if we ever stop paying for it we need to offset we need to off we need to offload all of those episodes because they will go away um if you are on a platform that uses reviews most notably Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Yep. Please leave us a review. It does. It does. It, it helps. It, it helps us a ton. Just it goes a long way. Helping us make it onto the algorithms. Mm-hmm. Speaking of algorithms, also like our stuff on Instagram. Um, the more likes we get, please. the more people see the posts. You have to say please. Please. Please like our did stuff. Did I not? No, you didn't. You you demanded it. I did. I feel like people and if are, and if I was listening to this and you told me what to do, I wouldn't. You would be offended yeah. and you'd say, "I'm going to do the exact opposite." Please, I'm begging you. If you could, please, out of the kindness of your heart, leave a review. That's all I want for or a Christmas. Like. Here's the thing: uh, leave a negative review. Yeah, that helps us too. <laughs> Shockingly enough, you would think doesn't negative reviews? No, it actually helps. Well, and here's the thing: it does I? I'm pretty sure you're wrong. Also, we do. We would ask though if you do leave a negative review. Tell um, us why. 
Tell us why. Otherwise, you're just a hater. And then check and you yourself. might be a hater, And then too. check yourself because, like, come on. What do you, like, why? Yeah, why do you fair. like that? That's fair. So, uh, I think that's it, Don. That's it. We're done. More episodes soon to come. Um, check out our nearly 100 different tracks. Um, we got a lot of good stuff coming your way soon. Oh, and if you have any trap doors in your basement that you've never explored... Probably don't. Maybe don't. Maybe call the cops first. Or do. Good luck. Maybe maybe call the cops and then make sure they go in front of you. Anyway. Shout out cops. Love them. Okay. I just realized, <laughs> Gus. Um, well, I didn't just realize, but I've been thinking about this a lot lately. Yeah. I haven't ever gone up in my attic since I got this house. Never been up there. Should I? Or should I just leave it be? Well, should I leave well enough alone? Maybe we should... Um, Maybe we should like give it a a couple weeks after, like, so we're not talking about. Yeah, good like, because now that we're talking about this movie, I wouldn't like. I don't even want to go up to the second floor of this house. Yeah, right now. me neither. Like, I don't I'm, even want to go to my own bedroom. I am very content to stay right where I am in the living room. And if I hear so much as a scuttle, if I hear a mouse fart, I am leaving, and I'm I am never, never back. and I am never coming back. Fair and enough. I imagine you're gonna take Leo and you're gonna follow me, right behind. Fair enough. All right. Good to know. Adios, guys. All right. We'll see you guys next time.